The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. want to be a friend of Jesus. What will that take? How shall you be a friend of Jesus? Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I want you all to be friends with Jesus. But I need you to know what it will take if you're to be friends with Jesus. That's not something casual. It's something very vital. In 2010, 
a medical team spent three weeks in a camp some distance from Kubal in Afghanistan. They were helping Afghan villagers with eye care and also with mother-child medical care. As the aid workers hiked back across the rocky terrain to return to Kabul, they were attacked by gunmen. Ten members of the medical team were quickly killed, including a woman, Cheryl Beckett, who was an aid worker who had joined the group as their translator. Cheryl was a graduate of Indiana Wesleyan University. Cheryl had moved to Afghanistan six years earlier to use her biology degree to teach the Afghan people about growing nutritious food. She also assisted the community with mother-child health education and care. Cheryl's father, Reverend Charles Beckett, read her journal entries after her death, and he saw Cheryl's dedication to putting the words of 1 John 3.16 into action in her life. As he reflected on his daughter's, on his daughter's life, he wrote, She wrote in her journal, which has been a spiritual oasis for me, Over and over again, I read this theme, no longer my own. I've been bought by Christ with his own blood. I want to know him better. And then she wrote, I want to die to myself. And then she asked the question, what does that look like? How do I make that tangible? And that is why she devoted her life to knowing Jesus, but knowing him by sacrificially suffering in order to show him. So Cheryl Beckett actually said, how do I tangibly reflect the fact that I am a friend of God? That's a haunting question. I spent much time this morning praying about that question. I want to show tangibly in my life that I am a friend of Jesus. I have several passages of scripture I'd like to share with you. The first is found in 1 John. 1 John, the second chapter. I'll begin with verse 3. We know that we have come to know him, that is to be friends with him, if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. 
But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And then verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. Now we find also in chapter 5 of 1 John, this is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Now, verse 18 of chapter 5, 1 John, the fifth chapter, verse 18. It will give all of us pause to think, to ask the Lord, am I tangibly walking out my decision to be a friend of God? John writes, all wrongdoing is sin. And there is sin that does not lead to death. Why? Because it can be forgiven. All sin is not forgiven. Blaspheme of the Holy Spirit, calling the work of the Holy Spirit the work of the devil, is not forgiven. It can't be because the Holy Spirit is the only one who can convict us of our wrong. And if we refuse to let him speak to us, he can't help us. Verse 18. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. In other words, if you're a friend of God, you're not continuing to walk in voluntary rebellion against his word. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We also know that the Son of God has come and has given understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even the Son of God. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. That last sentence just rings a bell in my heart. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. 
you want to be a friend of God's? Then you have to obey what he commands you. The secret is instantaneously obeying what the Holy Spirit whispers into your heart, because if you don't, that voice of the Holy Spirit will fade more and more from your heart until you begin to recognize that you are far from Jesus. I remember when I was a boy, I read the story of Robin Hood. It was one of my favorite stories as a child. I particularly liked the part of the story that talked about this giant man that was called Little John. Little John betrayed Robin Hood and went to live in the castle at Nottingham. He was lazy. He was fat. He was having a great time. And then one morning he woke up early, which was unusual for Little John. And he heard a very sweet, sweet trumpet sound from far, far away. And instantly he recognized the sound of that trumpet. He knew that that was Robin Hood's trumpet. And suddenly all of the past memories of his great admiration and love and loyalty for Robin Hood flooded back into his soul. And he said, what am I doing here? I don't belong in the, in the sheriff's castle. I'm a part of Robin Hood's band. So very quickly he arose. He went to the, to the cupboards and he took out food and provision and then made his way safely out of the castle and began the long walk back to the forest where Robin Hood's band lived. He was welcomed with open arms. The provisions were very appreciated. But more than that, it was that little John was back. Have you gone far away? From Jesus, you once were loyal to him. You once thought about him. You once said, I want to be his friend. But you have drifted far, far away from him. I want you to hear today in this broadcast the silver trumpet of God, the sweet sound of the Holy Spirit as he says to you, Come home. Come home. You've been caught up in all kinds of busyness. You've been caught up in all of the the problems of life, and you have believed whatever you've chosen to believe. But you have lost that vital connection with Jesus. He will receive you back with open arms. But you must make a decision as you hear the silver trumpet of Jesus calling you back. You must quickly, you must quickly go to him. 
Bring all of your treasures. Bring everything you are and everything you have. And quickly go back to Jesus. Confess your sins. Turn aside from them. Some of you have a godly wife or a godly husband. And you don't want to agree with them when they say you must leave your sin. You've become just a churchman or a churchwoman. You love the things of darkness. You used to love the things of Jesus, but now you just love the things of darkness. How long before you humble your heart before Almighty God? You hear the sound or you wouldn't be listening to this broadcast. You would have quickly turned it off and said, I don't want to listen to that preacher. But you're still listening. You see, walking with Jesus, like this story of this precious daughter, it has content. Walking with Jesus as a friend of Almighty God means that you leave all sin. Sin is just darkness. It is misery. It is hopelessness. It is losing your sane mind. It is going insane. It's going crazy. It's fornicating. It's, It's lying. It's cheating. It's doing the works of darkness. You're in league with the powers that are causing America to be utterly ripped apart and destroyed. Many years ago, nations were were held together by families. Look at the story of Israel. They were held together by families. You remember Solomon's son was very unwise and and would not accept the counsel of the elders. And they rose up and they said, what have we to do with you, son of Jesse? And they left, and Israel Israel left, and left only Judah and Benjamin. The nation was split apart, not by institution, but by family. It was a family matter. When King David went to Hebron, he made a pact with the families, with the heads of the families. It was a family issue. Being friends with Jesus is a family issue, not an institutional issue. I don't much like institutions because they have as their first rule the survival of the institution, even if it means stomping all over the people who are part of that institution. I don't like institutional religion. I don't like institution anywhere. To me, everything is about family. 
breaks your heart when a family member with a bitter spirit turns against you and makes all kinds of accusations. It breaks your heart. I know mothers and fathers who haven't spoken to their children for many years. I spoke with a man like that. He and his wife sharing how long it's been since they have been able to speak with their grandchildren or with their daughter and how heartbroken they are over that issue. But usually there's very little heartbreak over the destruction of an institution. It's families that count. Families are the very basis of our civilization. If you're going to be friends with Jesus, you're going to have to be family. It's God's design that we would be the bride of Christ, family. So today, are you are you with Jesus? Or have you left the family? It is the human family I'm speaking of. There were angels in heaven who left their divine estate and they came down and utterly corrupted the human race. Angels are not of the human race. We are of separate races. The angels corrupted the human race. Lucifer and his gang. A third of the angels of heaven. They were not They were not human. We as human beings have been deceived and lied to by Satan. We've been utterly destroyed and torn apart. And he's now coming like a raging lion seeking whom he may devour. And it is his purpose to cause you to renounce your father in heaven. And in your ignorance in your rebellion to refuse to be a part of his family, even though you are human. And so Jesus came to offer a way of escape. He came to offer a way that we could once more be reunited with our father. And our hope, our expectation, our desire is that one day we will be wed to the Lamb and we will become the bride of Christ. That's as close a friendship as a man and woman can have. That's as close a friendship as God and his people can have to be wed to God. I don't know what that means. It's so far beyond my understanding. But do you want to be friends with God? And what would that look like tangibly in your life? What repentance is necessary? What confession of sin? Sin being rebellion against the Father. Sin being going your own way. And sin destroys you. 
sin steals everything of value from your heart and leaves you an empty shell. And some of you today are very empty, unhappy souls because you're so far from the Father. I want to be one with God. I want to be one with Jesus. I want to be in that great wedding feast. It means I have to leave all sin. Now, some lying preachers have told you that you can never leave your sin, that you're always going to be a sinner. If they've told you that, they're lying. I read to you the scriptures. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin, present tense does not continue to sin. No one who was born of God continues to sin. And the evil one cannot harm him. So there is a place of safety right now for you if you return to the Father. And you come as the prodigal, saying, I don't deserve to be your son. I've had enough of the pig food. I want to be washed and made clean. Now, those who say that come with a very clear understanding that they must leave the pig pen. The problem comes when you think you've been made a friend of God, but in fact... You are not a friend of God at all because there is no tangible evidence that you have surrendered everything to God and you're still walking, loving the world and the flesh and the devil. I want to share with you more of the conversation that I started earlier this week between a man called Mr. Talkative and Christian, and faithful. Here's here's my question. How does the saving grace of God make itself known when it is in the heart of man? Talkative said, you want to talk about the power of things? Well, that's a very good question. I'll be happy to answer you. I will make my answer brief and to the point. First, where the grace of God is at work in the heart, it causes there to be a great outcry against sin. Ah, ah, wait, wait a minute, faithful interjected. Let's consider your points one at a time. I think you should have said it makes itself known by inclining the soul to abhor its sin. What's the difference between crying out against and abhorring sin? Talkative inquired. Faithful answered, there's a great deal of difference. A man may cry out against sin out of principle, but he cannot abhor it unless he has God's own antipathy against it. For instance, 
I've seen many cry out against sin in the pulpit who yet abide it well enough in their own heart, in their home, and in their manner of life. Potiphar's wife cried out against Joseph with a loud voice as if she had been very holy, yet she would have gladly, despite her cries to the contrary, committed adultery with him. Some cry out against sin as a mother cries out against her child, and when she calls her for a good and she calls her a good for nothing and a naughty girl, and then the next thing she does is smother her with hugs and kisses. I think you're trying to trip me up with details, talkative accused. Faithful responded, no, I'm only trying to set things right. But what is the second way in which the grace of God makes itself known in a man's heart? Well, great knowledge of gospel mysteries, talkative offered. Faithful countered. This sign should have been first. But first or last, it's also false. For knowledge, even great knowledge, may be obtained in the mysteries of the gospel without a work of grace in the soul. The truth is that a man can have an abundance of knowledge and still be nothing, and so consequently no child of God. A man I once knew read very deeply in the books of theology as he worked on his degree. He knew the history of the church. He could speak eloquently about doctrine and theology. But he was a liar. He did not know Jesus. You can have an understanding of the mysteries of the gospel and you can explain the theology and not have the work of grace completed in your heart. An abundance of knowledge does not gain you a position with Jesus Christ. Jesus asked his disciples, do you know all these things? And the disciples answered, yes. But he answered, blessed are you if you do them. He did not pronounce a blessing for knowing, but for doing. For there is a knowledge that is not connected with doing. He that knows his master's will and does not do it. A man who knows like an angel. And yet, that does not make him a Christian. There are two kinds of knowledge. First, just knowing about things. But second, is a knowledge that is accompanied by grace, by faith, by love. And it causes a man to do the will of God out of the heart. The first kind of knowledge will serve the talker, 
but a true Christian will not be content until his knowledge results in sincere works that please God. I listened to a great preacher. He was eloquent. He was witty. He held the vast congregation of thousands in his hand. I was just a young man, just new in ministry, and I greatly admired this man. I thought he was the very epitome of what a preacher should be. This was at a a conference, and after, after the service was over, I with some friends went to eat at a nearby restaurant. And as we walked into the restaurant, we saw that this man was sitting at a large round table. And there were a number of other pastors, leaders, sitting with him. Instead of following my friends to a table, I stood and listened to this pastor. I listened as he began to tell the other pastors um, off-colored jokes. I listened as he was scornful and rude to some of the pastors sitting in that circle. They all humbled their heart and laughed at his jokes because he was the man. But I remembered that day my confidence in him as a pastor was utterly destroyed because he talked the talk, but he did not walk it. And as the years went by, I saw increasingly many men and women who spoke eloquently of their love for Jesus. But then I saw the way they treated their wives or their children or friends. I listened to the the judgments. I saw the bitterness. I saw the lies. I listened to the gossip. I was sitting in a pastoral staff meeting of a mega church where I served as an associate pastor. And the question was raised regarding another pastor from another part of the country whom I was very close friends with. And they were saying things about him, implicating him in immorality. And I knew it was not true. I had firsthand knowledge. And so I spoke up and I said, no, this is not true. We should extend the invitation to this man to become a part of our team. He would be very helpful But the senior pastor's answer was, no, no. We can't invite him to come because 
his character has has not measured up to the standard we have for our pastors in this church. I was heartbroken. Later that evening, I called this man and I described for him the conversation that had gone on in our staff meeting. Well, he immediately called the man who had spoken against him. They were supposed to be very dear friends. He confronted him. That man denied that he had said anything. He lied. But a special staff meeting was called the next day. And I was put in the hot seat. How dare you reveal our conversation to this man? I answered, because we are family, not an institution. And you spoke with lies to this man and about this man. And you destroyed his reputation. And I'm heartbroken. It's okay that you voted not to include him as a part of our team. That's not a problem. You have that right. I voted for him. You voted against him. The problem was you destroyed his reputation. He should be the next senior pastor of this church. But he was not even considered when that time came because his reputation had been destroyed with lies, with gossip. You want to be a friend of Jesus? Then you're going to have to walk it clean. Where God's grace is truly at work, it produces conviction of sin. And as that person becomes convicted of their sin, the defilement of their heart becomes very plain to them. And the very nature of sin is revealed. And he cries out to God for mercy. And Jesus gives him that mercy. As he puts his trust and confidence in the blood of Jesus, he is washed and he's made clean. As the soul awakens to its true condition, sorrow and shame will flood the soul. But also, he will find being revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, the Savior of the world, and he will realize the absolute necessity of clinging to Jesus for life. And when he desperately clutches onto Jesus, leaves his institutional wickedness, his awakened soul will find that his hunger and his thirst for Jesus is satisfied.
today. Are you hungry for more of Jesus? Do you want to be a friend of Jesus? Then you're going to have to ask, how is that made tangible in my life? And if you are an institutional Christian, it cannot be made tangible in your life. For you have bought the lies of the institutional church. You're not a family. You're not a part of God's family. You're a part of a, of an institution. Now, I'm not saying that people who are part of a church are not a part of the family of God. But I'm saying that if that is your religion, and you are far from Jesus, you must return to Jesus. And you must see the reality of of life for what it is and recognize that no one is saved institutionally. You see, you can be a part of the institution and be a sinning Christian, but you're not saved. And you will go to hell. There must be a true confession of your faith in Jesus Christ where you have laid down everything of your heart. You are no longer separate. You must become you must become clean and washed and holy. When this happens, your conversation will be godly. You will not be like the world. You will abhor your sin and yourself as a sinner. And you will lead your family in humility and kindness without entering into bitter fights and anger and judgments. There's nothing more dangerous in the world than a person who believes they have the truth and they must enforce that truth on everybody around them. Rather, there must be a practical demonstration of a godly life in faith and in love through the power of Jesus. So I ask you today, does your life and does your conduct testify for you that you are a friend of God's? Or does your religion consist of words with very few deeds to attest to the truth of them? Do you know the answers? but you still love the things of this world, of the flesh, of the devil. Now, please, don't answer that question quickly, because you're answering it in the throne room of God. He will hear how you answer, and he knows whether you're lying to yourself. He knows all 
things about you. So don't say anything that your conscience tells you is not true. Are you a friend of God? Or are you a wannabe friend, but not enough to leave those things that he's asked you to leave? I remember when the Lord said to me, turn your television off. Well, that was like a death knell to me. It was where I went for my comfort. It was my drug of choice. If the Holy Spirit says to you, if you want me, leave your cell phone alone. Use it only in necessity. Wow. That would be removing your drug of choice. What are people going to their cell phone constantly looking at it? What are they looking for? Are they looking for friendship with people they know? Are they looking for something that will fill the hunger of their heart? Has the cell phone replaced Jesus in your life? That's why John said in 1 John, the last chapter, the last verse, watch out for your idols. Watch out for idols. So I ask you, does your life and your conduct testify or prove your claim on God's grace? Or does your religion consist of words only without deeds? This morning, my prayer time, I had to begin answering those questions. And I had to ask, Pastor Ray, how are you tangibly laying your life down for the gospel? Well, one of the answers, I've given my, I've given my whole energy and my whole life to proclaiming the word of God. Why have I done that? Because I desire, above all things, Jesus. I also have been bound by Jesus to be kind and courteous to brothers and sisters in the family of God, not to contend with them. So when a man makes accusations against me and he cuts me off, how should I respond? By praying for that man, that woman. Not with any bitterness or hardness of heart, but with compassion. When I have to face how I use money, do I use it on my own pleasure? 
or do I use it to love and support and care for others? I had to go through a whole series of questions. And I had to ask the Holy Spirit to please search my heart and reveal to me me any area where I am deficient in laying down my life for the gospel. In America, it's not hard to lay down your life for the gospel because we don't suffer persecution. Oh, we suffer people being angry at us and cutting us off, breaking friendship with us, and that's painful. I I tell you, that is painful. People that you've poured out your life for, you'd give them anything, and when you do something that displeases them, they cut you off. Okay, that's painful, but that's not persecution. So for me, it's a constant determining in my heart that I will be a friend of Jesus, that I will walk clean before him, that I will love those who curse me. And yes, people curse me. They don't like what I've said. I left the broadcast yesterday wondering how angry some people will be at me for speaking about the falseness of the kundalini spirit in the in the church today where everything is about the band and the music and the experience the heavy presence of the holy spirit but no no conviction of sin well i know people get angry when you talk like that so yes people will be angry when we testify about jesus But we still have to answer the question, how do I, in fact, like this dear sister I spoke of, who laid down her life in Afghanistan because she wanted to tangibly give evidence that the love of her heart was Jesus. How are you demonstrating that? How are you demonstrating that in the way you use your time, your money, and your energy? Or are you just Mr. and Mrs. Talkative? I pray today for your for your walk with Jesus, that you be clean before him. Well, we're out of time for today. I want to thank those of you who gave online yesterday, a couple mics, Dave, all I can say is thank you. It's important to me to keep this broadcast on the air and be able to give evidence that I am a servant of the Lord by sacrificing my time and my energy, everything that I have, to proclaim the gospel. You can write to me, Pastor Ray, at the National Prayer Chapel, Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, 
Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. You can support this ministry online. And I would ask you, please, if you have not yet done it, would you subscribe to our channel? That will help us spread this word even further. Now let's pray. Lord, as we come to the end of this broadcast today, I ask for your Holy Spirit to send forth the sound of the trumpet, the sweet sound of of your Holy Spirit calling men and women to come to you, to return home to the family, to make a decision that they don't want to belong to the family of darkness, but instead to the family of life and light and joy. Lord, would you move with power today in the lives of those who need to confess and repent? Would you move very powerfully in the lives of those who are sick, who are injured? Lord, I just stand by faith you will move with healing. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you and worship you. I honor your name. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, again, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Know without a question, without a doubt, Jesus loves you and he wants you in the family. He wants to be your friend. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.